even if the numbers were good, even if, you know, the margins were great or whatever, it, it wasn't worth it at the end of the day. And um, when we were able to step back and really look at like what we wanted from our life and why we chose to do this, it's not so that we can chase pigs across the hillside and be angry at each other. Like that's, that's not our ideal day. Welcome to Choosing to Farm, a podcast for first and returning generation livestock farmers and ranchers to share their stories, find connection, and provide insight into the life of farmers who didn't take the traditional path. I'm your host, Jen Colby. Folks, this is Jen. Thank you so much for joining today. Um, just wanted to start with a couple of announcements. I really appreciate the new supporters we have for Patreon and Anchor, which has been really exciting. Folks can access that through our Choosing to Farm website. Um, and I wanted to introduce our guests today, um, Austin and Maggie Troyer um, from Ohio. And what I really love about their story is how they have been figuring things out um, a little earlier in their career and their life than um, some of the other guests. We've got a whole range of ages and a whole range of experiences, and it will just sort of come out over time. But um, I got to know Austin and Maggie. We're both on the same executive link board um, through Ranching for Profit, and I was uh, impressed and a, a little teeny bit uh, envious that they figured things out so much earlier. <laughs> so I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Austin and Maggie. I know you will. And if you like the um, podcast, please like, share it, write a review, tell a friend. It's all at choosingtofarm.com. Here you go, Austin and Maggie. We are the Troyers. We are Austin and Maggie Troyer. We live in New Philadelphia, Ohio, um, and we are Crossroads Land and Livestock. We raise primarily hair sheep with some custom cattle, but um, over the years have kind of uh, moved away from cattle and more into sheep in the last couple of years. So that's our, that's our main thing that we do. We have livestock guardian dogs and border collies and, you know, the whole thing that goes with sheep. So yeah, how we got started. Yeah, we, uh, I guess we got started by realizing what we didn't want to do. <laughs> and that was, for me, that was construction. My whole family was in construction um, after high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily and didn't have the money for college or really didn't want to go to college. So I just went down what all my other cousins did and just started framing houses. And I love to work hard, but I hated construction work. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was just something about being on a time block and it rains today, so you can't go to work and get paid. And it just didn't seem like a lifestyle that was attractive to me. It wasn't how I wanted to raise a family. And it just it wasn't a life for me. So I um, met a couple of ranchers in Southern Ohio and they offered me a job. And actually took a pay cut, but really thought that 
working with animals and building something and seeing just generations of animals produce and what you could do on a farm that seemed like the lifestyle that I wanted to do um, for me for my family um, so I did that I got a job um, making just a little bit of money <laughs> but uh, I loved every minute of it I didn't know the first thing about ranching um, but the people that I worked for were great they taught me everything I know about cattle uh, gave me opportunity to grow and I just absolutely fell in love with it. I, I love to work with my hands. I love to build for something bigger than just a time card. Um, so it kind of, I, I want to say the Lord kind of led me to this. It wasn't necessarily something I pursued. Um, but once I got a little taste of it, I wouldn't trade it for the world, I guess. <laughs> I feel like this is something that I, I struggle with, or not struggle with, I just think about a lot. Do you feel like this? this has been a calling or do you feel like this is just a, a thing you do or do you feel like it's a thing you've been called to? You sort of said that, but I'm curious. Yeah. I, I think it's something we have, um, we have been called to there, there's just been too many things that have happened that are bigger than me. Um, they weren't, I did this. It was, it was the Lord guiding me and him putting opportunity in front of me and putting specifically putting, um, putting the right people in my life to get me to where I am now. And those people helped me create opportunity and gave me opportunity. So I, I, uh, sometimes question why, because I don't <laughs> feel I deserve it, but, uh, yes, I, I, this isn't something that Austin and Maggie have done. This has been, um, I guess the Lord leading us and I guess using us. Yeah, I get, I really get that. Um, I'm a pretty non-denominational person that way. And yet it, this feels like so much bigger than me. It just always has felt like it's like, it's not really a choice. It's, yeah. it's just a thing. Yeah. I need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for Austin too, being that neither one of us have farming backgrounds, um, the fact that, you know, over the course of 10 years, like going from, you know, framing houses and doing roofs and that kind of stuff to where we are now, it, it is a, it's a testament to that, that, um, there's been a ton of hardships and a ton of bumps along the way that we easily could have been like, never mind, what are we doing? We should not be doing this. And, um, just perseverance and knowing what we want. And like Austin said, the opportunities that have been put in front of us, um, have kind of kept us on track and pushed us and kind of got us to where we are today. So. So how long have you been, you've been ranching? 10 years between working and, uh, and having your own place? Yeah, we started uh, after high school, which was... Uh, yeah, going on 11 years. 2011 is when I graduated. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess 11 and a half years here, 11 years. Yeah, going on 11, yeah. Yep. And um, what's the structure of the place that you have now? Do you, do you own lease, a little bit of both? All of those, all of the above? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we only own our house and a couple acres, and then everything else is leased. Um, I would love to own it someday, or a portion of it someday, and that's kind of a goal that we're working towards. Um, but right now, it's it's hard to swallow that cost up front. So we, we've been fortunate to find several leases that we can piece together and kind of make an operation without having to invest all the capital in the land up front. 
you feel like that's been a good fit for you to be able to plan things out a little differently than you didn't take all the nut at once. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just cause I don't know if you guys in your region call it that, but we like take taking on the nut is always like the big thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, we have, we've dabbled in real estate. We've bought and sold a couple farms. It just ties up so much of our money that we can't use. Um, even though it appreciates, it, you can't really utilize that appreciation unless you're going to sell it. And obviously you don't want to sell a farm that you're working on. So for right now, um, I'm not sure we could do it any other way than starting by just leasing. And I think for us specifically, uh, knowing that we are first generation farmers, we are starting from scratch. Um, it allows us, you know, you always understand that if you're leasing or renting, there's always the potential that you might not have that in the future. But um, we're willing to take on that risk, knowing that it takes a lot of the financial cost up front out of the picture because we're not having to buy the ground. And it's really um, enabling us to put that money back into growing and um, growing our stock and kind of really getting established um, before we have to take on a huge, a huge payment of, you know, buying a giant chunk of ground. Um, so that's kind of what we do. And, it, and, you know, it's worked for us. It's able, we're able to, you know, get a jump start on things and keep costs low um, as we, as we really build from nothing, like I said. Yeah. And, and you nailed it when you said that there's risk in it this way, because if something happened, God forbid, to our landowners or, or they change their mind and decide to sell all this ground, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're out of business. <laughs> so the, the, it, it's the way we can make it work right now, but it doesn't come without risk. So, and you have changed the different things that you've, I mean, it's, like, it's almost like you're coming in with some experience, but you're also testing all these other different ideas for the different businesses you can run. Cause I know you both are, have done different things yeah. and bring different skills to this and have had different enterprises just within this lease situation. So could you talk a little bit about those? Like what are, what have you, what have <laughs> you decided? All, you didn't we've to? tried it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, we've dabbled in a little bit of everything, always trying to keep you know, centered that we want to farm and how can we branch off from that and diversify. And uh, we're pretty guilty of trying to be jacks of all trades and <laughs> do all the things. Um, and we we started with, with cattle um, and kind of started to dabble in sheep. And we had pastured hogs at one point and um, that stemmed into a retail business where we sold all of our pastured products. Um, and after doing all of the things, we, re we realized that, you know, really zoning in and focusing on um, what we not only enjoyed the most, but what made the most sense for us, which was, which was sheep. Um, so that's kind of how we made that transition actually last year, um, away from owning the cattle, away from doing pastured pigs and pastured chickens and, you know, all the things to really focusing in on um, the sheep enterprise and the things that are closely associated with that. So livestock guardian dogs, and we just started into border collies. Um, so sheep is, sheep is our main thing um, and where all of our energy and <laughs> efforts are, are going towards right now, so. Yeah, it's a tough balance because <laughs> we, we, 
I guess there's so many different ways to diversify and so many different things you can do, but the more, the more you diversify, the more you, you spread out your energy and your time. So instead of doing six different enterprises half-heartedly, we got rid of five of them and now we're doing one and we're doing it well. At least that's our goal. Um, I'm not saying we do it well because we have a lot to learn yet, but. Well, and it, it is just the two of us, um, you know, it's, it's just the two of us running this farm and it's a pretty big undertaking for just two people. Um, so we really, we got to the point where we just realized like, we have to downsize not only for our sanity, but for the sake of our son um, and being able to spend more time with him and not be pulled in a bunch of different directions. So that's kind of what led us to the decision to, you know, um, scale back a little bit. And like Austin said, to do, to do one thing or two things really, really well. Yeah. And that's what led us to selling our cows and um, closing our retail store just so we could focus on on sheep production. The sheep fit our country the best. Um, we have a lot of rough country that's really steep, really poor with limited water. And they utilize that um, better than anything else. And we, we enjoy the sheep a lot. We really enjoy the dogs. And it's something that our son can go with us and do. <laughs> we go sort sheep or work sheep or whatever. Um, he's only two and a half years old, but he can still sit right outside the raceway and, and you know, yell at the sheep and they go past him. <laughs> um, it's pretty hard to do that with in, in a corral full of, you know, a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it, it was a combination of all of those things that I guess has led us to try to balance our life, our family, and then a business at the same time. Totally. And I mean, as new as, as first gen folks, do you feel like it's a little bit more flexible to be able to reevaluate business because there's not the identity side of that, you know, there's no emotional attachment. And we talk about that all the time. I think that for a lot of people that come into farming who have farming backgrounds or second or third, fourth generation, there's kind of always this mentality of, you know, this is always how it was done. This is how my grandpa did it. This is how my dad did it. This is, you know, this is how I'm doing it. And, um, for us, I think, it's a little bit hard because we're kind of going against the flow as far as um, ranches and farms in our area. I think a lot of people think we're a little crazy, <laughs> but it allows us to be almost like emotionally not connected to it so that we can make those decisions. And we're, we're I would say we're way more willing to pivot um, and, you know, evaluate things when they're not working and um, make those hard decisions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well said. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so, so if, if the folks immediately around you are, maybe think you're a little crazy, maybe it's not what, they, maybe it's not what they do. Um, so do you have other mentors that are out there? I mean, do you still get, get, do you get feedback, do you get advice from the folks that you used to work for? Do you, are there other people too? I'm not leading um, the question about EL, by the way. <laughs> I don't mean that. I, I literally mean like around, around your area. Are there other folks that you can call? Yeah. You know, like in the immediate area that even the ranchers I used to work for, they're hundred percent cow calf operations. Um, we still have good relationships with those people, but we have to, their models work on their ranches and our operation is very different from them. We don't have the fertility 
the soil productivity, the, the, we don't grow the forage that they, they, they did. So their model worked for them, but it didn't really work here for us. So we've had to take this ground and try to make it productive. And um, honestly, nobody, I don't know of anybody in the state of Ohio that's doing it similar to the way we are. I mean, there's, there's other people with sheep, um, but we're just trying to do it in a very low input way with literally no inputs other than um, some salt and, and do it year round and do it at a pretty large scale. Um, so it's been hard to find help. There has been, there has been mentors. Um, Baron Helmick in West Virginia has been a world of, of knowledge and help for me. Um, there's some other producers out West that have been great, uh, more than willing to answer emails and questions. And they're probably tired of me calling. It. Um, but yeah, there's, there's the right, the, the people that are doing it um, in other parts of the country have been really willing to help, which has been awesome because especially with sheep, there's so much that I don't know and so many obstacles that come up and it's like, okay, what do I do now? And where, what is this coming from? And how do I fix this? And there's just a lot of unknowns and we still have a long way to go, but reaching out to those other people has been huge for us. And sheep and pigs and cattle. And I mean, they, they all move differently. They all think differently. They operate differently. Um, I went several years without pigs uh, when we were in the process of, of uh, looking for this farm and then buying this farm. We didn't have pigs for like three years or four years. And when I had to get pigs back on the truck with our first batch of pigs after we got back into it, I was like, oh, you guys don't move like sheep. <laughs> yeah, it's got, you know, I had sheep throughout. I was like, oh, I know how to get sheep on the truck. No problem. And then I was like, pigs, why aren't you getting on the Oh, 100%. 100%. It was absolutely our last trailer of pigs by myself that I swore I would never do it again. Never again. Totally. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh man. Um, So you've learned a lot. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, you guys have been doing this for for a little while, a while now, Um, not just a little while. And what things do you feel like you've brought in from your other lives your like pre-farming pre-ranching life that is useful now what do you use what do you not use (laughs) honestly I think I don't want to say we both had very limited experience before ranching but it's true we Austin started right out of high school into ranching, and I worked in an office and administration position for two years before we got married. Um, and so not only did we, 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 we started into ranching young, but we didn't have a ton of um, other experiences or other, you know, careers before this. So honestly, I think the, the one thing that's just been super valuable um, is we're both incredibly driven and incredibly hardworking and almost don't know how to sit still. And I think that's really allowed us to kind of um, buckle down and work through the hard things and, you know, figure out a way to make it work. Because to Austin's point, we, we, we didn't know really what we wanted, but we knew that we didn't want traditional nine to five jobs. And um, so when he started into ranching and started into farming, we were both kind of like, yes, we love this. Let's, you know, let's, let's do this. And let's do it at any cost, you know? And so that's, I think that's what we, we're both incredibly driven, incredibly hardworking to the point that 
we're almost stubborn and we're like, no, we're going to will this to work. Like, let's give it, you know, cows aren't working. Let's give it away from it. Let's do something else. So being able to look at it, um, again, like we're emotionally connected to this farm, but not in a way that's, you know, generation to generation. We're really like, we're, we're willing to farm, but we don't care if it's sheep or cattle, or we don't care if it's pigs or chickens. Like, um, I mean, maybe not chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not chickens. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, um, my pre-farming life had little experience in farming, but I think just the way that, that my parents raised me and, and my family, um, you know, it's just, it's just being honest, it's working hard and it's trying to, to trying to build something that's bigger than, than you. And my, I remember my dad told, telling me, um, you know, he, he said, I don't care what you want to, like what you want to do when you get older, if you want to be a barber, just own a barber shop just work for yourself because that's the lifestyle that, that he wanted for me. And that mentality, I think came before farming and then we brought it to farming and it's been, it's been awesome to be able to live that, to be able to control your schedule and and be your own boss and and so on. Totally. And since you guys are relatively early in your, in your lives of farming, how do you think that you want to set things up for the future? I recognize we don't usually, we don't usually talk about it in this way. We, you know, talk about like, how has it been set up to support right. you now or us now, but like, we don't always talk about the future. So yeah. How do you see it evolving over time so that you set things up the way you want to in the next 20 years or beyond? Yeah, that's uh, that's the million dollar question. Um, we want to, we want to just, whatever we do, we've got opportunity to expand and we have plans to do so. We just are going to try to ride the balance of maintaining a lifestyle that's enjoyable and not running ourselves into the ground because that's the bad habit that both of us have is we see opportunity and we see, you know, we run gross margins on an idea and it's like, wow, let's do that. And then we forget that we have a two-year-old at home and we're just two people. Um, so trying to keep that balance as we go forward and, and we're going to try to bring some more people on, um, hire a farm manager and so on. But I think the future for us is for the next couple of years anyway, is just going to be staying kind of in the model that we have. Um, we've spent the last basically four years building these fences, building all this infrastructure, um, for cattle and then switching it to sheep. And now it's finally like the stuff that we have is set up. So let's run it for a couple of years and let it, let it produce what it's supposed to. Um, and then, and then we can, we can also grow as well, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I think the Lord will lead us, um, where he wants us and as long as we kind of keep, keep that in the forefront of our minds and, and where we're going to go. And, uh, I don't really know where it's going to be, but I, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's- this makes me think of, um, I don't know if you guys have read Essentialism by Greg McCune. I have not. It's on my list. It's, a, it's, it's an excellent book. It's a pretty quick read, which is nice. Um, and the high, one of the highlights for me personally, because I feel like I'm a similar kind of a person, like there's so many good things to do out there. Why not do all yeah. that? Um, is uh, how he says, how many sevens and eights do you have to pass up? for the nines and tens and I'm like, yeah. oh, 
like there's a lot of sevens and eights out there in the world, aren't there? Right. Especially for someone who's looking. I mean, you know, if, if you're a person who is looking for those opportunities, yeah, they're coming. They're just always coming. They just keep generating that kind of energy just keeps coming. Yeah. I think, and we're like Austin said, we're pretty guilty of, um, we're both so driven and motivated that, and we're so willing to pivot and make those changes. We've, we've done it so much over the past couple of years, just trying to figure out what works that, um, the downside is it is that we look at something else and we go, never mind, we're moving on to the next thing, you know, and, and, and just being able to go like, no, like Austin said, like, we're going to ride this out. Like, you know, we're set up, let's, let's let this farm produce and then, you know, reevaluate it. Um, so yeah, to your point, (laughs) we're, we're always looking for the, looking for the nines and the tens. Yeah. And I, one of the guys that I used to work for said, uh, he was a very bright businessman and he said, you have to pass up good deals to find great deals. Yes. It's just like you said, it's passing up the sevens and the eights, you know, to wait for the tens. And it's, it's hard to sometimes see that, but you're exactly right. Well, isn't it weird in the moment? Because when we get excited about a thing, doesn't it feel like everything is a nine or a 10? And the yeah. thing, it's not. It does. <laughs> Upon further reflection, I think that was a right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think for us, we tend to just analyze that on a scale of the financial rewards of it. Like it may be a 10, it may be a 12 financially, but it's going to take so much time that it's going to drop take your life down to a two. So writing that balance is, is something we have struggled with. I totally get that. Like really, really get that. Um, so I love to ask this question. <laughs> so, um, because it always leads us to really awesome places. Um, so can you describe your worst day? What, what is like your worst day so far? Oh, I can't. <laughs> is it the same worst day as mine? Oh, I don't know, but we, I'll just go into mine. Okay. We had just quit working for the, for the ranch that we were on and moved up here. We, we were building fence as fast as we could. All our, we had 300 cows up here. And we, when we brought them up, we had like two fields built. So we, they were eating a lot of grass real quick. So we had to keep fence built ahead of them. And it was just, we were living an hour away, driving up here, building fence, trying to keep these cows fed right before calving season. And um, one morning I got up here right at daylight and my phone just started ringing and it was all the neighbors. And they called and said, hey, there's cows out. And I'm like, man, what's going on? Well, someone had gone in, um, cut your fence and they had cut our fence they were upset that we had leased the property and they oh. cut our fence and we had 80 heifers and they all got out and they ran about three miles down the road and it was the winter <laughs> time so there was snow on the ground and i could i followed their tracks easy and i found them but they went into a, a huge section of woods that had just been timbered a couple years before and it was just nasty thick. like you couldn't get a four-wheeler through it um but i tried anyway and because you couldn't, you couldn't get ahead of them on foot. I mean, there was just nothing you could do. So I had to take a four-wheeler. So I'm in there saying words I shouldn't and flying through the woods on a four-wheeler trying to get ahead of these heifers. And I finally got to the point where my four-wheeler was overheating, like really bad. So I stopped on top of the hill. I turned my four-wheeler off and I just started running. And 
something smelled like smoke. And I was like, man, I don't know what that was, but I'm gonna go back and check. And I went back to my four wheeler and a big dead stick had gone in the engine compartment of my four wheeler and against the exhaust and caught on fire. So <laughs> I'm, I'm already like fuming <laughs> mad. And I get back to my four wheeler and right underneath the gas tank, there's like an eight inch flame coming out. <gasps> So I, I take my sweatshirt off and I'm like, I don't know if I should just leave and let my folder blow up or if I should try to put this out, but I'm like, well, it's the only folder I got. So I took my sweatshirt off and I shove it in there and I finally got it put out. It burned my sweatshirt. So now I'm in a t-shirt and it's like 20 degrees outside. My cows are out and I literally just drove home. I said, the cow, I'll find the cows tomorrow. Like I can't take anymore. I'm going home. So <laughs> it melted, it melted some wiring on the four wheeler. Um, it wouldn't shift out of first gear. Um, but I had first gear, so I moved <laughs> home. Um, and we eventually got the cows right the next day. Yeah. The heifers actually came about halfway back on their own. Cause it, where they were going, there was nothing to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And about halfway back, there was a hay field. And the next morning they were all standing at the edge of the hay field and I was able to get around them. Um, and they walked right back through the hole that they came out of and we fixed the fence. So that was my, probably my worst day on the farm. <laughs> Holy cow. So yeah, Maggie, okay. Maggie, is that your worst day too? No, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of that. I mean, I was chasing them on foot. Um, but I wasn't, yeah, your day was much worse for that day was much worse for you than it was for me. <laughs> I, I, my, my worst day isn't even that bad other than I just think when we were trying to do it all, we were stretched really thin um, and we had pastured pigs and they kept getting out on the hillside and the netting was tangled and they were tangled. And, we, you know, we had, we had so many things going on and Austin calls me and he's like, you got to come help me. And at that point, Harrison was six months old. So I loaded him in the backpack carrier and I'm running down the hill and I'm running through branches, trying to not get hit in the face, trying not to hit Harrison in the face. By the time we get all the pigs back in, I'm crying. Harrison's crying. I told Austin, I'm like, we're selling all of this. We're never doing this again. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And then next summer we got pigs again. And so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I think all of my worst days were just really when we were in the thick of trying to do it all and navigate it all and had a six month old and we were in the start of a global pandemic. It really felt like a lot. <laughs> So um, I think that was when it was, it was a lot for us was when we had all of those things going on and, and virtually no help um, because, you know, COVID had just started and we had no babysitters. We had no farm hands. It was just the two of us trying to do way too much work. Um, and now that we're on the other side of it, I can laugh about it. But um, yeah, that was, that was those days, pretty much, pretty much the year of 2020 as a whole, <laughs> I think is my worst day. <laughs> but uh, now that we're on the other side of it, we can laugh about it. And uh, I mean, it's not anything like your bike catching on fire and people cutting our fences, but. <laughs> Holy cow. What, what do you bring forward from that? Like, well, there must I mean have been lessons in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly why we quit doing what we were doing because we, we just had we had too much stuff going on that everything was being done halfway 
and the pigs were an example. I mean, the, the fence wasn't getting checked and pigs get out of fence easy. <laughs> so they yeah, check I the fence it, even if we don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I I forget what was actually the problem. I think maybe a tree fell on it or something, um, which would have been a simple fix if we just normally we just walk a fence every day in the morning or something. Um, but we had just had so much to do that it got skipped for a couple of days and next thing you know, you're spending half a day getting busy. <laughs> so I think what to your point, Austin, is that just throughout that entire year, really when we were in the thick of it, we just really realized that it wasn't worth it. Um, we were always on edge. We were fighting. We just realized that it, even if the numbers were good, even if, you know, the margins were great or whatever, it, it wasn't worth it at the end of the day. And um, when we were able to step back and really look at like what we wanted from our life and why we chose to do this, it's, not so that we can chase pigs across the hillside and be angry at each other. Like that's, that's not our ideal day. Um, so from all of that, we were really, it was, it was really the final straw, right? So when we were doing all of that, we really just realized that, okay, we need to step back and reevaluate this. Um, and when we did, we kind of let a lot of things go and really honed in and zoned in on what we are doing now. And that was, I think that was, I'm glad that those days happened because it really pushed us to evaluate things and be, you know, make that hard decision. And it's got us to this point. And um, we finally feel like we're in a place where we're on track, we're, you know, moving in the right direction and not being pulled in a million different directions. So as hard as it is, I can laugh about it now, but those hard days really led to where we are now. So. Absolutely. That's good. We got to have lessons that we can learn from and take into the future for sure. Because right? <laughs> if we just keep doing the same thing over and over right. and over and over again, the groundhog's day, you just keep doing it. Absolutely. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so, what kinds of things would you recommend to other folks? Like, I mean, you guys are, are far enough along in this that. You've, you've got to have some like you're looking back perspective now on like, what do you wish you'd known? What do you, what would you tell somebody new coming in who wants to do this? Where would you tell them to start? And yeah, where would you tell them to start? Oh man. Um, I guess from a production point of view, I, I would really just learn to analyze an enterprise, like learn to do gross margins, learn to do um, figure out, like, know your costs, figure out your costs and the true, all of the costs, not just the ones that are in your head, not just the cash costs, like understand depreciation and, um, appreciation and opportunity costs. Um, knowing those numbers is crucial. And I didn't know those numbers. I came from a background of doing exactly what the other ranches I was on was doing. Um, and bringing that and taking it, taking that from from what they were doing and bringing it here um, did not work. And I thought it would. And I, I missed a lot of numbers that I should have seen. And that would have saved us several years um, of I don't want to say hardships because we've been very blessed, but it would have put us several years ahead of where we are now. Um, so I would say learning your numbers, and, and that kind of ties directly into the Ranching for Profit School. That's where I learned to do those numbers. Um, that school and the executive link program have been awesome. Um, they've been a, 
a phenomenal resource for me. So I, I would recommend that. Um, another thing I would recommend was there's a tremendous amount of information um, in podcasts and in books. Um, I know books are kind of old school now with all the, <laughs> I guess it's 2022. So they're, they're almost outdated anymore, but the amount of information it, it's to me, it's better than a college degree. The amount of information you can get from podcasts like this and um, just books, just read and, and just be a sponge of knowledge about what you want to do before you do anything. Um, the more you know, the more educated you are going in, the better you're going to be. Um, yeah. I would say um, whatever you have to choose, you get a support system of some kind. Um, for a very long time, Austin and I were each other's, you know, sounding boards. Um, but and, and whatever that looks like, I think Ranching for Profit and EL has been a really great resource for both of us and connecting us with like-minded people because um, for us being first-generation farmers and doing it on our own, there are days, you know, on the hard days where you start to go, everybody thinks I'm crazy and I'm starting to agree with them. <laughs> and um, so being able to have one or two mentors in your life, um, I think they don't even have to be in the ag world, right? They could be business mentors or just people that um, you can bounce ideas off to. I think there's sometimes a lot of value in having a mentor that isn't in the ag world. Um, just being able to talk to them and talk through those things. There's, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, and I would just say, be, be willing to do things differently. Um, being first generation farmers, we had no, previous experience or previous, you know, this is how it was always done. So even, you know, when Austin started into um, ranching and he started into cattle after a couple of years, you know, after 10 years, he realized well, this isn't working and being willing to pivot and um, being able to do things differently. Um, I, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, and, it, it, you know, removing yourself from being in this, this tight box of, well, this is how my neighbors are doing it, or this is how so-and-so is doing it, or this is how it's always been done. Um, I think you, ha you have the chance of limiting yourself um, when, when you start to think in those terms. So just being willing to think outside of the box, maybe take some risks, do things a little bit differently. And like Austin said, learn along the way, have those mentors. Um, gain as much information and, and knowledge and I, not being afraid to fail because you will learn a lot from those hard days and um, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> you can work through it. And Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the quote that a lot of times helps me on those hard days, it was from my youth pastor growing up and he said, um, you measure a man's greatness by how much it takes to discourage him. <laughs> and those days when I'm so frustrated, I'm like, you know what? I'm still very blessed and I still got a warm house to go to and a family that loves me. And yeah, the cows brought out my temper today and they got out and ate the neighbor's <laughs> soybean field, but <laughs> I'm still way more fortunate than most of the world. So it's not, it's not that bad. And just trying to stay positive because like Maggie said, there's going to be hard days. And, and I think what she said was really good because having somebody, even if they're not in ag, that you can talk to, if you can understand, or if you can get them to understand your, your business plan and, and what you have, that's really good to be able to convince somebody else. And it's like, if you can do that, that then you've really got something. 
I think there's also a lot of preconceived notion that just because you don't have a background in ag that you can never make it because when you like Austin said running the numbers in enterprises when you boil it down to the very you know base level it's just a different form of business and when you when you start looking at you know numbers that way you know cows or whatever there's a lot of similarities so um I, I think that if you don't have a background in ag does not mean that you can't um build a life ranching or farming um don't let that stop you. Um, Cause neither one of us have any, any previous experience in livestock and we've been in it for 11 years and I don't see us turning back, so. So do you think that as you look at your, your RFP experience and going and doing the numbers, I've known folks who've done that right out of the gate before they have any animals on the ground um, and I've seen folks who are like, you know, many generations who, who have participated. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, you're, do you think that someone is better served by doing it right up front? Or do you feel like it's good to get their toes wet and maybe their feet, maybe their ankles? <laughs> you know, just like, you know, do you feel you're like, like that's up, to, up to our chins? Yeah, maybe all. not chin, not over the head. That's the goal is to, to really get through farmer business training Great. school before you're over your head, you know, before, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious, like in terms of time, would you do it right out of the gate if you could go back and do it again? Or would you wait a few years, get some experience and go back and do it? Um, I, I would do it right off the bat. Um, Having said that, it would be a little bit hard to figure out numbers um, with not actually having a year's worth of, of a track record. Um, but I think if you could, if you could come up with a, a fake enterprise, even if you don't have it, and you just put all your numbers in, um, every number we put into our systems are, is, is wrong. I mean, it's all just <laughs> guesses. And if you're okay. off by 10% or 20%, like they say in the school, um, that's still not that bad. Like you can, you, it's the concepts and, and just making yourself think, um, even if you don't have those numbers, when you actually go into it, you know what to expect. You you have a list of all your costs and, and the true costs, not just the cash ones. And, um, I would definitely do it from the beginning. Um, having said that, I know tons of people who didn't <laughs> and they've made us included. Yeah, us included. <laughs> I to say, I'm not, I'm not judging. I was 17 years in when I finally did it. And yeah. that's when I feel like my business really started. So, you know, yeah. I think, not, that, I think that to your point, you can prepare and gain a lot of knowledge, but there are certain things that, um, it's just going to take experience to learn and, and, and figure out. And, you know, we're 11 years in and we're still <laughs> coming up with things like, wow, we've never seen that before. Never dealt with that before. And, um, <laughs> I think that, for, for someone who's new or wanting to get into it, um, like I said, just learning from a mentor, even um, like to Austin's point, he worked on a ranch for a couple of years before he went out on his own. And that just kind of gave him a, a foothold and kind of a foundation, even if um, our business now doesn't look anything like the ranch where he was working before. Um, you got that knowledge in that beginning um, mentorship, I think, which really helped. Um, so I, I think it's a balance between you can crunch the numbers and prepare um, the best that you can, but a lot of a lot of it is just 
comes with experience and with doing it. Um, so I think, I don't know, I think it's a balance, um, like what you said. Yeah, it, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, me personally, I would go to schools ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wish I, you know, like gone back 10 years, but we can't go back. We can only go forward. That's so right. I try yeah, to answer. Right. Do you feel like there's a part of this, this whole life that's about forgiving ourselves for the, the, the imperfect decisions that we make on a daily basis? hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that's, it's, life. It's, it, that's life. <laughs> I mean, it's been hard. There's a lot of things I wish I could change and would have made a big difference now, but had I changed them, I might not have even realized what I've done and learning from those is what's important. I mean, that's the, that's the tuition to success is, <laughs> is mistakes. Totally. And how do you, how do you feel about that since our whole life is about managing animals and like, how do you, how do you, how do you evaluate it when you come across that animal that is, that is died and you're like, is it, is it your mistake? Is it, is it just a freak thing? Like, how do you go through that thought process? Boy, I'm going to let you answer that one. I think that, um, (laughs) for us particularly we every day we go out knowing that we are going to do the absolute best to our ability um and our animals well-being and you know their health and we, we we don't take it lightly we think there's a huge responsibility when it comes to raising livestock I think I think you take on a responsibility of um making sure that they're cared for and cared for, cared for well. Um, but also knowing that, you know, assuming it's not, you know, just something reckless that you did that it, you, when you have livestock, you have dead stock and there, there's just the reality that there will be some casualties and knowing that, um, just, just knowing that, but then every single day going out and going, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that they are living their best life. Like that's, that's really what, what we do, whether it's the dogs or the sheep or the cat, whatever it is, knowing that whatever, whatever happens, we are going to do our absolute best to make sure that they are well cared for. Um, I really think that that's, I don't know what more you can do. You know what I mean? Um, because when that's your foundation and you take that into consideration into every single thing that you do throughout the day, um, it really, I, like I said, I don't know what more you could do. Yeah. I mean, part of it's just a cycle of life and, and nature has its ways. Um, and, and like Maggie said, we do the best we can and uh, the rest is kind of out of our control. Yeah. That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely wasn't trying to get you, get you a gotcha one. It's more. Um, that was a gotcha one. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's why Austin looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I I think I think about it too, and some sometimes it's um. Uh, I think that there are like best care. Sometimes it means different things when we say that. So so for some farmers who are more confinement based folks best care means you know they've got tmr and water and cushy stuff in front of them all the time and for Mm -hmm. those of us who are more outdoor um producers that 
you know, may mean that they have adequate food at all times and minerals and, and some shelter of some kind, you know, and, but, but what I, what I struggle with sometimes is, um, when an animal dies and, um, it's because I forgot something that I used to know, or I didn't do that thing I know I should be doing, or somehow it, it seems like a little bit more easy to forgive if it feels like a nature thing, like, Absolutely. you know, that you, she just didn't have, you know, so she's got one live one and one dead one. I wasn't here, not, not in my hands. And then it's just sort of a thing to realize that this is actually, this is, a, as you said, Maggie, this is like a huge responsibility. And at the same time, we can't, we can't dwell in it. Absolutely. That's not healthy either. So right. like finding the balance of that, I think that's just a, a reality that is um, somewhat unique to livestock raising that isn't unique to other types of farming. Right. And I think that for us being, you know, similar in that we're low input outdoors, you know, we like to say that we try and raise our livestock as close to nature as possible. Um, and so while we truly believe like we, we put our animals in their natural element where they are going to thrive and where nature intended them to be. Um, and the trade-off is, is that we don't offer as much handholding. So we're not going to be there all the time. We're not, we, and it, it's unrealistic to think that, I mean, we can't lamb 1400 use in a barn. It's just unrealistic. And even if you could, the amount of effort, um, and work that would go into it's, it's just unrealistic. And so knowing that, um, the trade-off is, is that you can't be there all the time, but you're putting them in the absolute best environment for them to thrive and as close to nature as possible. And they truly are living their best lives. Um, and I, we, you, you kind of just, have to understand, right? Like that's the, that's the pros and cons of it. Um, and for us, that's, that's why we do what we do. And, um, that may not be for everybody, but, um, I guess that is our model for ideal care and, um, the ideal operation, I guess. Yeah. And obviously, especially with sheep, um, there's a, a lot higher death rate in sheep than, well, just about anything that I know of. Um, <laughs> chickens yeah yeah um <laughs> something we've started doing is is the second that we see something that's not thriving um it, it needs to go it needs to go to a new environment where it's adapted um it needs to go it needs to be called for no matter where you sell it it needs it needs to not just sit there and lose weight and have a miserable life till it dies um, the second that something starts going downhill, it needs to be addressed. And that seems like it happens quite often with sheep. Um, so we, we've started sorting sheep every 30 days as we run in the past a, a, a mobile set, a corral system. Anybody that's, you know, limping or is losing body condition or whatever, <clears throat> um, we get them out of there as soon as we can, either get them treated or get them, get them sold to somebody who, you know, like an example, if, if we have a couple of ewes that have bad feet, but they're pregnant. Um, do you, I don't really want to just go kill those ewes right now and take them to a sale barn. So maybe I can sell them to a neighbor guy who's got some sheep in a barn and he can doctor a foot and keep it dry. It's hard for me to do that. Um, when I don't have any facilities. So just, just being responsible and being willing to make those hard decisions. Yeah. And, yeah, and keeping the animals best interest in yeah. mind. I mean, it's not all economic business. Um, 
these are still animals. So balancing that is, yeah, certainly helps us sleep at night, I guess. Totally. Well, and I think there's a recognition that not every animal fits the program. Yeah. And, and that's, that's been some hard lessons for me. Certainly have been, you know, sometimes taking animals in trade for, you know, I'll take that you lamb for my ram lamb that's going to breed your flock or whatever. Like, um, and I, I'm, I'm out now moving personally, moving away from doing those kinds of trades or even purchases, because those are animals that tend to come from a, a little bit softer life than the life I'm asking them to lead on my hill farm with terrible soils which I think is pretty similar. Like I need to visit yeah, you guys yeah. because like, we, I think we, we actually, yeah, might be grazing in similar places. <laughs> yes. And I think for what you guys are saying and, and what Austin was saying about culling and, you know, sorting out the ones that maybe aren't thriving here is it, it's hard. We, you know, we hate seeing like, Oh, you know, it's a, it's a really nice view, but she's limping. And so she's got to go. But when you look at it as a betterment of the entire flock, um, you know, pulling her out. And so she doesn't, you know, spread foot rot, you know, that, that really is ultimately the betterment of the flock if she goes. Um, so it's, it's making those hard decisions and being able to go, it just, you know, she's not thriving here. We, we have to make that decision. Um, like I said, for the betterment of the, of the flock as a whole. And that's what nature would do anyway. So that limpy right. you would become, would feed something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. You have to be the predator. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the kinder, gentler predator. Right. Right. <laughs> the well-intentioned predator. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, is there anything that I haven't asked you guys that, that you like wanted to, you know, that this conversation is brought up that you're like, no, I want to go back to that point or something that, what would you say to somebody coming behind you that you would like want to head them off from or. <laughs> yeah. There's not really anything I can think of. I was kind of running through the list of things that you might ask. And I asked us and I was like, so when she asks you, why do you choose to farm? What are you going to say? And <laughs> you, you'll probably have some elaborate answer and I'll say, I didn't choose to farm. I chose to marry you and I was thrown into farming and I've kind of adapted it as, <laughs> as we've gone on. I've taken it on as my own. And, um, but yeah, you probably have a much more like philosophical answer to why you choose to farm. Oh, there's not many words. <laughs> philosophical. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of drawing a blank on that one. Oh, but you do choose to farm. So clearly there is a reason, even if it's hard to articulate. Yeah, yeah. that is true. I, I guess if, if you ask the question, why do I farm? Um, I just love animals. I love nature. I love being outside. I love, I love seeing a sunrise and, and seeing a sunset and managing uh, a group of animals and, and seeing them thrive and bringing them for the next generation and selecting genetics that are working. Um, it just feels like I'm building something. And I don't know, that's- We both really enjoy working with our hands and we love seeing our son go out and be with us and watching him, you know, bottle feed a lamb or getting excited when he sees the cows and really just getting back to a, 
a, a pretty simple way of living um, is really, I mean, why I continue to farm <laughs> other than I really like you. Um, and, and so I think that's it, just the way of life and the life it provides for us and our son and, um, you know, waking up every single day excited, well, relatively excited uh, to do what we to do what we do. Um, it really does feel like we hit the jackpot. So, yeah, I think you touched on something that I overlook a lot is um, I'm not really a people person. I like to be I'm a Jenna laughing at me. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. I'm sorry. Um, and I, I don't know what it is, but I've always just enjoyed like a self-sustainable thing that doesn't, it doesn't need, it doesn't need the government. It doesn't need, you know, all this crazy fancy stuff. It's just simple. Keep your head down, work hard. And... Um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, describes what we do pretty well. Um, so that, that's pretty satisfying to me, I guess. And you get to spend every day working with me. <laughs> oh, I have a follow-up question to that. So, <laughs> oh boy. Um, so what are so what are some of the pros and cons of being a couple who work together on <laughs> the ranch? You're looking at me. <laughs> um, no, I I will, I will jump in here because it's it's been tough um, at times because when you work with your spouse all day, it's very hard to. There's no separation to make it, to make it special. Um, you know, something that we've always said that helped us in our marriage is to never quit dating your spouse. When you spend all day working and you go home and you eat dinner and you have a kid, it's like it's hard to really make time to be intentional about your marriage. Um, you're always together, but you're not really, I guess, investing in each other, if that makes sense. So it, it is a challenge. Um, something that we're still working on every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, continuing to, to keep a, a, a passionate relationship alive when you work together is hard. But you enjoy it. Right. Oh, she absolutely. asks for the pros and the cons. Oh, oh sorry. I was saying <laughs> could be either, could be both. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll go with the pros. Um, the list is really <laughs> long, isn't it, Austin? I'm gonna be careful with this. Um, no, just uh, ju just like we genuinely enjoy being together. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of value that comes when you work together and you have the same vision and you can get on the same page and have the same goals because you're both really invested, um, in it. Um, the good news is, is that we get to spend each day together. The bad news is Austin can't fire me. Um, so <laughs> no, it really, and, and we have developed a, um, an understanding of figuring out where each other is as far as like, I need a little separation today. You know, we worked sheep all day yesterday and I was very close to killing you. I need some separation today. Right. So just being able to have that, um, I don't know, that sense of knowing that some separation is good sometimes, but then, um, when we can come together and work on a project, um, and, and see it, you know, 
do really well. There's something really satisfying about that, knowing that you work together as a team to do that. Um, but like Austin said, you have to be really intentional and, and careful about um, your time because very quickly you can become just coworkers. Um, so being really aware of that and um, kind of uh, taking it day by day and <laughs> situation by situation and um, being open and honest about um, all of it, I think is really, really important, but. Yeah, and there is nothing I enjoy more than when it's the two of us and we're doing something on the farm. I mean, that's just where I'm at home. That's that's the best. And if we can take the little guy with us too, that's that's just the cherry on top. But that's I mean, there's nothing I'd rather have than you know being able to do this with my family. So it's it's everything to me, um, even though it's challenging. It's worth it. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you. Um, I have a final question that occurred to me. Uh, is there any animal that you would not raise? That's like a complete non-starter as you look at your business and where it might go. Is there anything that's totally off the table? I, I don't know, because if you asked Austin five years ago, he would say that he would have never, ever, ever got one sheep, wouldn't even think about it. <laughs> and now we're like solely sheep, so. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm convinced that even if he says something's off the table, I don't think it's really off the table. Um, we started to do chickens. Like we, we actually started with, with cows and chickens and I don't see us ever going back to, we maxed out at 500 chickens and we were both like, no more, no more. So I don't see us ever, ever going back really into poultry of any kind. Um, but we both really enjoy the sheep. So I don't know. He said that we, we both said that we would never have sheep and here we are. So <laughs> I would I say poultry too, though. No, probably no, no, no poultry. Yeah. I, I second that. I, I, last year I probably would have said goats um, just because of the fencing requirements there. Um, only exception would be if we could, you know, maybe have a um, Peruvian herder or something like that to keep them with the sheep. Um, so if, if they have to stay in with electric fence, I am not <laughs> fighting the good fight. Not that way. Um, maybe that's a paradigm of mine. Um, but yeah, that, that, and then poultry in general, um, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> poultry. <laughs> yeah, and they're done not, choosing not to go back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Totally get that. We have a uh, geese or a non-starter. Oh, that's like the one thing that my husband has always said, like, I don't care whatever else you want to try, raise, whatever, no geese. I'm totally fine with like some laying hens or some pets, whatever. But yeah, as far as like an actual enterprise, I, yeah, no poultry, no poultry. <laughs> it's not because we don't make money. There's yeah, some it's just because we poultry, just, it's just not a good fit. <laughs> not, yeah, it's we, not for the we know ourselves and we, we say no more chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would urge you to just sort of keep your minds open about the goats though only because that was my experience this year adding goats in where I went oh I'll never have goats and then I added goats and then they did really well so oh, wow. Jen you just follow up know. with us in a year and a half and we'll probably have goats mixed in that's, that'll be just <laughs> how it happens <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. they're doing really well at auction just so you know <laughs> just what Austin needs to hear oh no your gross margins were great. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I ran the numbers. 
<laughs> they also taught the lambs how to get out of net fence when the lambs were only days old. It was oh, not a pretty no. picture for the first few weeks of goats and sheep together. Oh no, Jen, that sounds horrible. It was pretty horrible. Rough. I was cursed. I was not saying some very kind words to those goats. I was yeah, we call, <laughs> we call those farm words. Now that we have a two-year-old, we say, oh, the, that it, farm words. You, can, you can't say that that's a farm word. <laughs> Words that are not suitable for little ears usually only come out when we're working livestock. That's about the only time you'll hear them. I'm sorry for the things I said to you when we were working cows, right? Isn't that the Yes, yeah. 100%. 100%. I'm guilty. <laughs> so guilty. Oh my God. Well, thank you guys. This was lovely. This is just lovely. And we really enjoyed it. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Awesome. So I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Um, We sort of went in a bunch of different directions um, as we do. And uh, I, I debated whether to, to edit out the conversation about, um, about what it's like to be a, a livestock farmer and to have the responsibility of that. And ultimately I decided to leave it in because I, I feel like um, many of the young or new farmers, that I have met who who haven't automatically started in livestock farming, um, you know, f- through farmer training programs, through you know, I've I've taught young, um, I've taught students, you know, as well, and lots of times there is an attraction to farming through vegetables, and or at least that's where training programs start, and maybe livestock is an add-on, and I feel like it's really important to share the side that is about the responsibility. Um, it is important to manage soil. It is a great responsibility to grow vegetables and crops and other things. But um, as soon as you have another like animal, like a human animal managing other kinds of animals, there's other stuff that gets in there. And it's just part of our world that is really important to be able to share. So they were great sports. I thought they answered the questions really well. Um, but that's why I left it in, even though it felt a little gotcha at the moment. And they were they're great sports. So we did talk a lot about um, Ranching for Profit and Executive Link. I put in um, the uh, in the show notes, there are, um, you know, there's a link to Ranching for Profit, if that's something that you think might be um, a good fit for you. I know that it has been a tremendous fit for me. Um, and you'll just find that sprinkled throughout this um, podcast over time is uh, what that can do for folks. Um and if you feel like you're in a right place to step up your um, farming business and the way that you work with other people, um, there's there's a whole lot in a week. And um, I've heard it described as an MBA in farming in a week. And I would not disagree with that in any way. <laughs> so um, I want to thank all the guests that I've had so far. They've been absolutely amazing. And also want to thank the referrals that folks have been sending me suggestions for farmers um, and ranchers to interview around the country. And I love that. Please continue to send suggestions through the website. That's fantastic. Um, We also have had some questions uh, about bringing some guests we've already had on back so they can be asked more questions from the audience. That's really fun. Um, So we might do that in the future. I'll I'll keep you posted on that. Um, We also do have a private Facebook group for Choosing to Farm. If these kinds of conversations you'd like to have with other members, you know, other listeners, um, other folks who have been part of this community, 
just to be talking back and forth. And, you know, maybe there could also be asking of guests because they are in the group too, some of them. So anyway, just going to post that. I'll leave the link for the private Facebook group in as well. Um, I also like starting to give shout outs to other, um, you know, partners, friends, other podcasts, things that I think that you might enjoy. Um, and because this was an episode with a husband and wife team, and they did talk about dating and working on their marriage, um, I just wanted to point that, like, where we are in time, Valentine's Day is coming up pretty soon. And if um, you would like to get your female or other partner um, a really awesome gift, my cousin does incredible beaded earrings and she is at the blue buddha shop um and i'll post that website too she ships all over the country and she does just really incredible incredible work so if you're looking for something for your sweetie guys i'm just saying so thank you all so much this has been such an amazing journey so far and we're just getting started so please like share write a review all of that stuff is super easy to do right on the choosing to farm website Um, you can support it there too you can do all kinds of things Thank you so much, and uh, we'll let Chris play us out. Have a great day.